Hey friends, welcome to the Robin Graham show. I'm so grateful you're joining me for another episode where we dive into entrepreneurship, faith, mental health, and so much more. I'm your host, Robin Graham, a brand strategist, business coach, and mentor. Join me every week to learn how mindset, strategy, and action combined will produce the results you were dreaming of. Discover your purpose and follow your God-led callings, values, visions, and passions to create a personal brand and strong foundation for long-term success. The sky is the limit when we spend time with like-minded people. Through interviews and solo episodes, we'll be diving into inspiring stories, life and business journeys of failure and success, and the strategies and tools used along the way. Ready to learn? Grab your cup of coffee, the car keys, or the dog's leash, and let's dive in to this episode. Hello, friends. I am super excited today. I know, I know, I say that every single week, but I'm always excited because I have amazing guests and I think they're so inspiring and I'm hoping they're inspiring you too. But anyway, I have a question for you. Do you ever feel like you are completely maxed out on hours and that creating content is consuming you, but yet it's not converting? You're not getting any results from all of that time spent creating? Well, if you can relate to that, it is probably time to shift your content strategy and you don't even have to worry and be afraid or be overwhelmed by the thought of that because today's guest is going to help us. She's going to teach us how to create a content strategy that is going to connect with our audience and convert. So without further ado, Brittany Gardner, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thank you, Robin, so much for having me, first of all. And yeah, I'm really excited to kind of dive into this topic and really, honestly, my hope here is that your listeners find some hope in what problems they are currently facing, because that is the number one thing my clients tell me is like, oh, light at the tunnel, thank goodness. So, So that's what we're here for. Oh my gosh. And don't we all need a light at the end of the tunnel these days? <laughs> Seriously. I mean, the, the last two years, they've been brutal on on everyone, not just, you know, the the entrepreneurial online world, of course. But I think I think a little hope is is, is nice to offer. So, yes, yeah. 100%. And when we're talking about content and, and creating content, it is overwhelming. And I think people do lose hope, especially when it's not converting. And I know some of my clients have, you know, as we're coaching and they don't like social media, they don't want to be on social media to begin with. And then when they're not seeing results from it, it becomes very challenging to even stay focused on the tasks of the task of creating content. So I'm super excited for you to tell us a little bit more about how we can, I guess, better and more easily create content and have a good strategy. But before we do that, will you tell the listeners a little bit about you and your background? Yeah. Yeah. So if people have been listening to this show for a while, (laughs) my background's probably going to sound pretty similar to things you've already heard, which is I started out in the world of photography and I was doing branding photos, excuse me, for my clients. And they would come to me with these amazing photos that I had just created for them and be like, so cool. Now what? (laughs) Like, what do I do with them? And I had taken them through my brand strategy process to get those very well-branded photos. So they had some inclination, but they they still didn't know what to actually do, how to use the photos in their content. So I'd started creating small, short trainings originally around creating content that's well-branded to you and your business, who you are, 
who you work with, what you stand for. And those trainings grew and grew. And after I had my my second child, who's now three and a half, I, I came back to working after a, a fairly long maternity leave and realized the whole day branding photo shoot was no longer conducive to my lifestyle. And I kind of started moving far more into brand strategy and content creation than the actual photography. And to the point now where I think I've only done one photo shoot in the past year, maybe maybe two. Um, and they were both for previous clients that were just you know returning and coming back to me. So I, I love what I do now. I love that I can squeeze in an hour here, two hours there. Like today, for example, my three and a half year old was at preschool from you know 9 a.m. to 11.30. And I was able to do an hour call in between there as well as about a half hour of work and still live my life. And it it works for me. And I feel like I'm having more of an impact doing it, which is fantastic. I, I love that. I love it so much because what you said at the very end that you could have more impact. And that is one of the reasons that I chose this year to focus more on coaching and transition out of the photography because it, at the end of the day, okay, we're making people feel beautiful and confident and we can teach them along the way, but I think we can have a much deeper impact more meaningful impact, more powerful impact when we're helping people transition their business or create content for their business or build a strong foundation for their business. So I love that this is what you're doing now. And coming from my perspective, creating content is very overwhelming. I'm fortunate that I have the podcast and a lot of my content stems from the podcast and then trainings that I do in the Facebook group or whatever. But for most people who don't have a podcast, where do they start and how can they, what do you suggest? I, I guess we'll just go back to ground zero because I kind of just put the cart before the horse, but you know, I think that's an area that we can focus our conversation on is how do you work with your clients to help them create that strategy so that they're not constantly reinventing the wheel. They're repurposing and using the things that are meaningful and have value, but aren't causing them to spend every single day, eight hours a day, just creating content that's not converting. Yeah. Yeah. So before I tell you kind of the cornerstone of, of what I teach, I'm going to dive very briefly, hopefully here, into, into one big thing. I see a lot of entrepreneurs creating scads of content and it's not converting. And it's because they're they're creating content and not focusing on the kinds of content that will convert. And I think this is a huge disservice that a lot of the big gurus in our industry have perpetuated. And I don't think it was done intentionally. I think when you are starting out with a content strategy, there are certain things you just don't know until you've experienced it. But if you've been doing it so long, it's hard to see what like separates the good content from the bad content. And I'm not saying that people listening have been creating bad content. I'm saying they've been creating content that might not be converting. And it's because they're doing what everyone says, which is providing value. And you, as the expert in whatever you know about, whatever your skill set is, you know that the most valuable thing is this thing that you're doing. So you start talking about it and you put out some how-to content and you make maybe make like a list of, of things people should be doing, or, or maybe you even give them like the first three steps. But what that does is set people up to be in the friend zone. If I can hop on Facebook or LinkedIn or Instagram and get free information from you, and it's good free information, I might not realize as the audience that there is more to it. 
you know, those first three steps, they're important. And and that is really good that you are helping your audience and you are meeting them where they are at. But until they understand, hey, there really is more to this, and I can't actually dive into that whole thing in a podcast episode, it's too extensive, you're doing your people a disservice because they think they've gotten the whole deal from you. And then when it doesn't work for them, they think you don't know what you're talking about. So that is one of the reasons why people create so much content because they're like, well, you need to know how to do this and then how to do that and then how to do that. And what I would really like to encourage people to do more is create content that gives your audience a way to think differently about their problem. And that is going to help them realize, oh, it's not that I'm doing this wrong. It's that I don't know everything about it. Now I know where I can reach out for the next step. And it's not that you're you know, putting your best stuff under lock and key or putting it behind a payment gateway. It's not that. It's that you are honestly and authentically telling your audience, I want to help you, but I can only do so much in this free format. And it's not about the money. I do want to help you. And yes, I also want to live, a, you know, earn a living, of course. But it's that I can't serve you fully the way I really truly want to in this format. So that is my quick brief digression into content mistakes. And then from there, I like to teach people that you have to choose a cornerstone. And I know that that word is very prolific in in our language, cornerstone, but what it actually means, it's like a mason, the first (laughs) stone that he lays. And that cornerstone becomes the basis of all other stones. So if you lay the cornerstone at a, you know, angle that's slightly askew from the rest or from what your intended goal is, everything else is also going to be at an angle slightly off from what you intended it to be. So when I say you have to choose a content cornerstone, I mean, you are going to stem everything else from this. So let it be something that you truly enjoy creating. If it's not something you enjoy creating, your content creation process is going to stall out at some point, probably sooner rather than later. So I teach the three cornerstones as either written word, audio, or video. So typically for the clients that I work with, and even those I don't work with, but I see, you know, out there in the interwebs, that's going to be either a video channel on like Facebook Live or YouTube, a podcast, or it's going to be a blog of some sort. And then from there, you have options. I don't recommend everyone tries to be all over the web. You know, pick one social media channel, get good at it, and then maybe you can expand. But all of that comes from your cornerstone content. And as a result of that, you have the ability to kind of repurpose and refine what content you're putting out there. So, you know, if you are like either Robin or I, and you use a podcast as your cornerstone content, you can put audio clips in different places. You can put waveforms on graphics for social media channels like Instagram. You can maybe, if you want to do video recording while you're doing your audio recording, you can put video interview clips on your LinkedIn place. You know, you you have all these different options, and I'm not telling you to do all of them. You need to make that decision, but it does stem from your cornerstone content. And I suggest that that cornerstone content is created weekly. I love that. And so I have a couple of questions for you. If a person, okay, let's just use podcast, for example, if a person Mm -hmm. has a podcast, is there another platform that you have seen is very effective for repurposing that podcast content on like Instagram versus LinkedIn versus I guess, TikTok or Facebook? Have you done any research in that regards or? 
I don't have personal research. I have done that. Uh, what I can anecdotally tell you, however, is that it doesn't actually necessarily equate to a particular platform where it does well. It does equate to where you are creating a presence on a platform. So I have seen people do really well with LinkedIn for their podcasts. I personally have not. Why? I don't spend time on LinkedIn, you know? I've also seen people do really well with creating a YouTube channel out of their podcasts, believe it or not, right? Uh-huh. Um, you know, either they're doing a video recording as they as they do the audio recording, or they, and this is somewhat newer, but it's be- it's becoming more prevalent. They're doing those like infographic animated videos. There's, there's several different tech platforms that make that easier than it used to be. So they're actually creating, you know, short sound bites you know, maybe their podcast is 15 minutes long and they're doing like a three minute clip out of it and they're doing a small animation behind it or overlay graphics over their their own person being recorded and doing really well like that. So it, it really depends. Okay. So my next question then related to content, let's talk about blogging as the cornerstone. We kind of mentioned podcasting and, you know, for us, that's easy to talk about because we're both podcasters, but I think podcasting is still one of those things that's pretty intimidating for the average person in terms of just the tech and starting and the platforms. There's so much to it now, even than when I started a couple of years ago, there just are so many more platforms and options and different things. So as far as blogging goes, do you, when you're using that as your cornerstone, do you have suggestions on what content to create and then how to repurpose that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think blogging is actually the easiest to repurpose. You don't have built-in graphics or like, like you would with video or built-in audio like you would with a podcast. But I think in terms of the tools that are out there to allow you to repurpose, you know, you can pull quotes, you can throw them onto Canva or a similar tool and create graphics out of that. You can have some social media templates designed by a graphic designer and just reuse the same ones again and again and, you know, just alter the actual you know, written content in it. So in terms of that, I think blogging is the easiest to repurpose. Mm-hmm. I think if blogging is going to be your cornerstone, you do need to have a fairly, fairly solid SEO strategy behind it if you want it to grow organically and by itself. You are not doing yourself a service if you don't pay attention to SEO. And yeah. and by that, I don't mean you need to go out and hire a $2,000 a month agency. I mean, bookmark Google's, you know, keyword planner tool, or you know, even use Pinterest as a really good way to check out those long tail keywords. How are people talking about your subject? So you know, if I were going to do a new blog post on um, how to choose your cornerstone content, I would maybe not use the word cornerstone. It's not actually how most people are going to talk about it. So how would I do that? I might hop onto the keyword planning tool on Google or onto Pinterest and start typing in things like, Um, content planning for service providers or business coach content creation tips or things like that. And then I would see what they suggest as additional words to refine that search. That's what people are searching for. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I were to do that right now, I would guess, it's been a little while since I've checked this particular topic, right? But I would probably do a blog post that literally is called how to choose your weekly content creation strategy or something like that. And from there, I would probably research a couple alternate titles and use those as headlines within the article using your H2 tags, all of that, and then kind of drilling down from there. So 
you know, we all took English at some point and had to write, you know, MLA format papers at some point. And that's where your outlining skills actually come into effect as an adult. You know, you mm -hmm. will maybe use that one day. And you don't have to follow, you know, the perfect grammar rules, but that outline format is perfect for creating a piece of blog content. And by the way, you know, podcasters and video people, it's good for you too. Organizing your content and not doing that stream of consciousness thing does make it easier for people to digest, which means it's going to make it easier for them to remember and therefore eventually convert into clients if that's the right fit for them. Yeah. And, and it is really important to have that stream of consciousness in terms of the strategy, because if you're creating a blog post today on, let's say, content creation for a personal brand, then you want to link that back to a blog post on personal branding so that you're keeping people on your website longer so that Google sees that you're providing value and Google will be more likely to share you with whoever's searching for whatever headlines it is that you're creating content for. So do you have suggestions for people? So say they're, they've, they've been creating content. It's not converting. They're going to create a strategy. Now they've decided it's time. Like after listening to this conversation, they're like, okay, I really do need to have a strategy in place. Where do they begin with their topics and their ideas? Do you have suggestions for that? Yes. The easiest suggestion is what do your clients say to you when they're considering hiring you? Most of my clients do some sort of discovery call or sales call type process. If you are not recording those, you are missing out on some gold. I highly recommend you record them, transcribe them, and then skim them for keywords that pop up again and again. That is the easiest thing. And then from that, you know, maybe you have a list of like 10 topics or so that you you think you can expand upon. Just start attacking them from different perspectives. You know, what are the hurdles that are going to get in the way between your current client where they are right now and hiring you? Maybe they feel like you're too advanced for them. Maybe they feel like you're just outside of the reach budget wise, like, what are these objections? And I'm, I'm not talking about this in like a schemey sales persuasive way. I'm talking about this, like, if you can address those objections in your content, then that sales call, it becomes really easy. I rarely have trouble in my sales calls with people who are like, well, I just don't know. And I think one of the reasons is because I address so many different, why should I not book Brittany? reasons in my content. So by the time they've found me, if they've looked at any of my stuff online, they already know, hey, we're going to probably be a good personality fit and she can solve the problem that I want. So when you address those things in your content, it makes other parts of your business a lot easier. And I'm all about making things easier. So I continue on that pathway. 100%. Simplify, simplify, simplify. <laughs> so 100%. let me ask you this. So when you're talking about those objections, and we just had an episode on Instagram and how to sell on Instagram with Nicole Ricardo, and she talked about uh, addressing those objections in social media content. So if you're going to address those objections on your website, would you do that strictly in your blog? Or do you recommend having those objections ad addressed on your in your copy on your other website pages as well? That's a tricky one. And it probably would require me to ask a few more questions of the individual asking it. So I'll give you a scenario here. Um, if your website is more of a brochure, like, hey, 
here's what I do. Hey, here's a page that tells you a little bit about me. Here's one that has my portfolio, right? In that case, I probably wouldn't do too much objection dressing in the website copy. It would be more in other pieces of content. If you have a website that's more like mine, where the homepage itself reads a little bit like conversion copy, it's it's not necessarily a long form sales page, but it's more of that style than the brochure style. Yeah, I actually do address objections in my copy, not heavily on the homepage necessarily, but definitely throughout my website. So it depends a little bit on your overall digital marketing strategy as to how we answer that. But even a little bit of light objection addressment, you know, in your copy, I think is a good a good thing. It tells people that you're not one of those blowing smoke up the rear kind of people, you know, like, uh-huh. hey, you know, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. And if you are on board, like, we're probably good to work with each other. You know, I I just had a, a sales call on, on Monday a couple of days ago and the clients were like, we really need this to be working in three months. And I I just straight up told them, I was like, what we are talking about right now is a six-month plan. I cannot guarantee results, period. But definitely, I don't think you'll be seeing them in three months. We're talking about some long-game strategy stuff here, and it's going to take some time. So if if you're expecting quick results, I don't think I'm the right person for you. And you know, we ended up talking it out. I, I found out what their reasoning was for saying that, and I was like, okay, so let's start doing this. I think around the two-month mark, we can make a subtle shift and then let's see. But, you know, when you're talking about about content creation, you know, your content lives on. It's it's not always something that's going to convert the very first time you say something. Mhm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's an important fact is we have to look at this as long term. It's not a short term game. When you're creating content, especially I think the most important thing to emphasize is that our social media content could disappear tomorrow, but if we have a podcast or a blog or some sort of video format platform, that content is evergreen and it will last forever as long as we have it on our own platform. And that is where I think you can really emphasize the long game versus the short game. Yeah, absolutely. Um I like to tell people, like, I can take your short-term content creation headache off your plate. I offer done-for-you content plans where all you have to do is show up once a week and make that cornerstone content. I have all the notes for each topic laid out for you. Like, if we're talking about short-term results, I can offer that headache going away. What I can't offer is knowing exactly how that's going to convert. It takes about three months to start measuring that content. And I think that's probably the one part we haven't touched on yet. Yeah. I was just going to ask you, can we talk about that? Because I think every single platform has a different way of measuring and yes, (laughs) a different way analytics are presented and a person. And, you know, when we're talking about, you know, mindset and, and going down that negative mindset trail of, well, this content creation hasn't worked so far, I guess I'll just give up on it. And then you procrastinate, you don't take, you don't create content for a while. And then you decide, well, maybe I should. And then you do, and you don't see results. So you keep going down this rabbit hole of content, no content, content, no content. And we lose any game that we had to begin with. And then trying to look at these analytics and we get into that and analysis paralysis. And it's like, <laughs> what should I even be looking at? Because every platform is different and some everything means something different. So I'd love your perspective on that. Yeah, every platform is different. Some of them are far more difficult to even figure out like basic results than others. My goal is to create a one-stop source for all of my clients' content 
results. Yes, it will take a few months for us to gather the data. You know, we we don't have data on day one, of course, but I want to make it so that they have one place where they can look so that at a glance, they know, okay, this topic I was really like heavily talking about for, for two weeks in a row, it just didn't result in click-throughs to the website. You know, people maybe liked the Instagram post or they commented on the Facebook post, but that's vanity metrics. It didn't actually do anything for my business. When we're talking about that, what really matters is click-throughs. You know, on Instagram, that's, you know, profile visits. Did this particular post give me a profile visit or a click-through to my website? You know, on, on LinkedIn, you can put actual links with like UTM parameters. You can see individually which posts actually converted for you. And I like putting all of that information in one place, ideally in a PDF that gets automatically emailed to my clients so they can see without having to dive into tech land and data land and scary Google analytics, what's going on. Yeah, I love that. And it sure would be easier to have it all in one place. That's for sure. And trying to navigate Google analytics is like, you may as well put a needle in my eye. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it can take hours. (laughs) It can take, yeah, hours for for all of us. And I probably know a little bit more than your average person on it. But even for me, I feel like going from page to page in in analytics, I'm like, why can't I just put this all in one place? So that's what I do now. I I don't want to have to spend time in Google Analytics. I want to be able to go to my place to see it all. And that's that's helpful. Having it all in one place actually allows me to compare, okay, is Pinterest performing better for me or is Instagram performing better for me? So, you know, it just kind of depends. It also depends on what's going on, of course, in your and business. When you, when you talk about that, where are you getting that information? Are you looking at your website? Like where, like on your website, do you have like Monster Insights or something where it tells you where the clicks are coming from? Or, or you're actually getting a report from a third party? I have a dashboard process that I have set up. It uses data from Google Analytics. It brings it into Google Data Studio and I create visual dashboards. I'm a very visual person and that's how I learn best. So I created a system. I offer it obviously to clients as well. Again, the goal being I want one at a glance place where you can see what's actually working for you so you can make better marketing decisions for your business. Yeah. That makes so much sense. So you are as techie as you are creative. Yeah, I'm a weird one. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like strategy, creativity, but when it comes to tech, I'm like, oh, there's a slippery slope there. I'm not going to say I'm as technical as like the tech tech people that you know. I, I feel like I'm techie enough, mm-hmm. you know, just my personality type and and just the skill set I've come from in the past. It gives me like the best of both worlds. I'm a strategic thinker, but I don't mind diving into the data. Yeah. I like the data. It's just mining it sometimes that I think is so cumbersome, but that's really cool that you created the dashboard. I think that's awesome. Now, okay, Brittany, before we close out, I do you have any, I guess, in terms of this content strategy, when we're thinking about creating a content strategy and we're using a cornerstone piece of content to then create all other content, do you also map out a timeline for using that content? So do the blog post, it releases on Monday, and then you use that same content for a week, two weeks, and how many times do you post about it? I mean, we know that it takes what, I I mean, the numbers are anywhere from what, 14 to 21 times now that people have to see or hear something for it to resonate and for them to remember it. So what what are your thoughts on that? And in terms of timing, repetition, all of that. Yeah. For me, I I have a system 
it's a very entry level system that people can purchase. I also just described half of it to you on this podcast. So, you know, there's that. I recommend for a week going strong on that one topic. And in my personal case, my solo podcast episodes, I have transcribed and written into a blog post. And I actually usually touch on that a week later, but more or less, it's a week long process for each topic. And then I revisit topics at the 90 day mark. So I have systems and mechanisms in my business that that trigger like, okay, let's go look at this. Like, you know, my monthly report being one of those triggers. I can look at and see all right, this blog post did way better than this one. This podcast episode did way better than this other one. And those are the things that go into my more evergreen content strategy. If something doesn't perform very well in the first round, you know, maybe it was like, because it, you know, demoed on Thanksgiving week and people just weren't as, you know, tuned in. So if I feel strongly about the topic, I might give it another, another swing. If it still doesn't perform well, it just gets retired. And that's, and that's that. It still lives in my blog, you know, and the social media posts, they get buried, but they still live on technically. Mm-hmm. So it's still out there. But the things that perform well, and especially when I hear from potential clients or, or actual clients, oh, I really loved that email last week. You know, that's a mental tick. Okay, this is doing well because it's resonating with my my best clients. And, and those definitely end up in my evergreen kind of content strategy, which gets put out, you know, towards the end of the week, if I've already finished, you know, the early week content, Uh it's what gets put out in, you know, recurring pins on Pinterest. And, you know, it's what gets put out in my evergreen email nurture sequence that lasts all year. Mm -hmm. And then do you use a specific tool? Can you recommend a specific tool? Do you use like Trello or Airtable or any of those tools to keep all of this content, I guess, mapped out and so that you can revisit it and know like when you posted what and where you posted it and when it's time to repost it. Yeah. So I use a combination. Um, I use Trello for my actual like social media calendar for planning. But after anything gets published, whether that's a podcast episode, a blog post, a Instagram post, right? It all gets zapped over to an Airtable database. I don't spend a lot of time in Airtable. It's more of like a holding ground. And I'll give you a a case example of that to make that make sense. I was writing a new email for my email nurture sequence, and it was referencing a post I put out on Instagram sometime last spring or summer. And I, I air quoted that because I really couldn't remember when, how I found it without having to scroll through my entire Instagram feed. I first searched in my email inbox. I keep a folder of all emails I've sent out to clients. So I first searched that. I didn't come up with it easily. So I went to Airtable and searched a couple keywords, found it. Oh, it was like April 18th or something like that. So I was able to link to it in that email because I was referencing that particular post in the email content. So I do that as kind of like a two-part you know, system. I wish I could figure out how to do that part easily on Trello. I just don't feel like it's as searchable and Airtable. You know, it currently fills that gap for me. Okay, that's nice. Yeah, I just actually started using Airtable and I'm really excited to dive into it and see what its capabilities are. I do feel like there is a way for me to only use Airtable, but I'm so entrenched in my Trello system. You know what I mean? Yeah. That it's like, okay, when I have time, I'll deal with that. And you yeah, know, that, that that day never really arrives. Yeah. So. If you had one tool that you would suggest to people who are wanting to create a content strategy, what would that tool be? That one's hard. Um, I currently can't do everything that I want on Trello. So I don't know that I would actually recommend that, but I'm so entrenched in it. I don't want to move. 
I would probably almost say ClickUp, actually, because ClickUp allows you to schedule everything, change due dates super easily, and all the you know subtasks due, due dates go with it. And I feel like once you get past the initial ClickUp setup phase, it's pretty easy to just keep going. They, they do keep introducing new features, but you don't have to use them. You know, once mm-hmm. you have your content strategy kind of mapped out in there, it's a done deal and and you can just kind of go from there. Cool. I haven't used ClickUp yet. I've been hearing some buzz about it. Does that actually post for you as well? Or it's no, just it a, does not. it's just a strategy like placeholder type. It's a planning timeline schedule. Well, internal schedule, not scheduler. Uh-huh. Okay. Not like a planally or HubSpot tailwind or, any of those. or yeah. yeah. Okay. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, Brittany, this has been amazing. I am absolutely positive that people are taking away information and now know where to begin to create a true content strategy that will actually help them not only connect with their ideal audience, but convert them to paying clients. So do you have any last second things you want to tell them, or are you ready to just give them the scoop on how they can find you, connect with you, and maybe even work with you? Yeah. I guess my my like soundbite version of everything we talked about today is it's what I call the three M's. You know, make, measure, multiply. Make your content, measure its effectiveness, and then multiply the good stuff. That's kind of the process we talked about. And if you want more information about what kind of content is going to aid your business in converting clients, I have a free guide on my website. Uh, you can go to brittanygardner.com forward slash content rx, rx as in prescription. And in that guide, I think it's a four-page PDF guide. It's easy reading, despite some of the techie stuff we talked about. Uh, it's it's easily digestible. I go over the four kinds of content you do want to focus on, as well as the th- three big content mistakes that I see people making. And if that doesn't give you some some insight about things you can change today in your content strategy, feel free to reach out to me as well. Awesome. Thank you. Listeners, if you found this information helpful, please leave us a rating and review. That is how we grow and how more people can find the information and learn how to build their businesses for long-term success. So thank you for being here. Please share this episode if you found it helpful and know someone else that could use it too. See you next time. You've been dreaming big and have an audacious goal, but don't know where to begin to make it all come true. You're tired of spinning your wheels and investing in online courses that you don't have time to finish. You are finally ready to invest in yourself and your business to make your dreams a reality. And I'm here to help you. Together, we'll work on mindset, create a brand marketing strategy, and take intentional action to achieve the results that you want and your clients need. Work with me in my one-to-one six-month coaching program or for a VIP day. Not sure which is best for you? Schedule a free mentorship call and we'll decide together. Just go to www.therobingraham.com. Both options are invaluable. And that's a wrap, friends. If you enjoyed this episode and found the information helpful, please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating and review. Ratings and reviews are how we grow and more people find the show. It would mean the world to me. And let's connect. You can find me on Instagram, Clubhouse, Facebook, and LinkedIn as The Robin Graham. Have questions about building a personal brand and business for success? Book a free mentorship call with me at www.therobingraham.com. Until next time, remember to smile.